The Tom Woods Show, episode 1436. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, social media is a pit of misinformation when it comes to the subject of guns. So what you need is my free ebook, Your Facebook Friends Are Wrong About Guns. Smashes all the myths and a lot of fun to read. Pick it up at wrongaboutguns.com. Hey everybody, Tom Woods here by popular demand. Maj Touré is with me today of Black Guns Matter. The way he describes it is Black Guns Matter educates people in urban communities in all 50 states on their Second Amendment rights and responsibilities through firearms training and education. And that education includes safe and legal firearms knowledge, conflict resolution, and the Second Amendment. Well, Maj is running for Philadelphia City Council, and I dare say the City Council has never seen a candidate quite like him. So there's plenty for us to talk about today. Maj, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate you for having me. Everybody kept asking me, like, when are you going to do Tom Woods show? I think people in their mind, they think like everybody that is does anything, you can just like when you are good at one thing, like I can just call like Donald Trump and be like, hey, bro, let me like get a small loan of a million dollars. Well, you know, people are always saying, hey, why don't you go on Joe Rogan? Because you, you don't go up to Joe Rogan and say, hey, Joe, can I be on your show? You have to wait for him to come to you. But in this case, we actually were set to talk. And then you were on Dave Smith's show. And I thought that SOB poaching my guests. I can't have Maj on right after that. So we had to wait a little bit. Um, But in the interim, I don't think at that time you were running for city council. So we now have brand new things to talk about. Before we get to that, I want you to tell us your background. It's a twofold question. What's your background and how did you become interested in guns? Um, So one, I'm, you know, like I say to people a lot of times, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a North Philly dude. Um, wait, wait, hang on, hang on, before, before, before you go any further, um, whatever kind of sounds going on in the background is being picked up by the mic. Oh, okay, cool. my bad. I was uh, loading guns. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> right. We're keeping that in. I, I was yeah. going to cut that out, but that is just too perfect. We're keeping that in. All right, go ahead. Um, so basically, I'm just a guy from Philly that, you know, as cliche or as Fresh Prince song as it is, you know, I'm from Philly, born and raised. I just I started making music years ago and I would travel around because I'm like, man, I'm not trying to get no record deal. I'm going to make the music and I'm going to sell it. And so what happened was between that and selling other things over the years, I would be in Cali a lot. I would be in you know North Hollywood a lot. I would be in Detroit a lot. I would be in Houston a lot, Atlanta. And so I developed relationships with people over time. And then I would go back and my friend would be like, yo, I'd be, I'll say, yo, what's up with Steve? And they like, yo, he caught a gun charge. I was like, damn, that's crazy. Who did he shoot? He didn't shoot nobody. He just had the gun. And that was a pervasive theme. So in the 2015 election, you know, going into the, the national election, everybody was like, yo, voters registration drive, voters registration drive. And me, you know, my co-founder, my partner was like, yo, and my friends was like, yo, forget a voters registration drive. We need a license to carry drive. So from there, what happened was we decided to go, you know what, that's actually a good thing. So we, we had one event and uh, it was supposed to be one event. And in doing that event, so many people were like, yo, we want you, in essence, to come to our town. We want you to do X, Y, and Z. We want you to do this. And it just kept snowballing after the fact. And, you know, here we are years later, um, and Black Guns Matter was created. And that's what we do. Well, it's great, great and amazing stuff that you're doing. And I guess I want to ask you why you think it is that, for example, I— have talked to feminists and you would think, mm-hmm. well, a feminist surely would believe in self-defense for women, 
right? Wouldn't yeah. that be obvious? Or right. likewise, you would think civil rights activists. Well, I mean, the number one issue would be self-defense of the very people they say they're representing. And yet, in both those cases, they're either not interested right. or even downright hostile. How do you account for that? Um, the left has better PR. The left, uh, and, and when I say the left, I don't mean that like I'm super right all of the time. I mean that in the sense of and evaluating the thing. I, I don't I don't believe in just a two party system. I don't believe in party politics. I don't believe in any of that. My thought process is I don't care who it is. Does it make sense? Yes. OK, cool. We go on with that. I don't care about your team, your uniform, your colors. I don't care. But the, the left is much better at PR than people on the right tend to be. And so because of that, they've done a very good job of making it look like you, you, you know, you don't need a firearm. Never mind the fact of the matter that America was created, secured, maintained, and expanded upon, sometimes even to the negative, because of firearms. Never mind the fact that the rich tradition that, you know, African-American people or gay people, um, like you said, the logic with gay people, duh, you know, armed gays are not getting bashed. That's just what it is, you know. And so the left just does a very good job of making people feel secure as well as convincing them to kind of like, even if you disagree with this, you kind of go along with it because of the fact that we pay for everything for you. You know what I'm saying? If, if we're in a position where I control, you know, I'm, I'm Bernie talking about he's trying to give up the, we're going we're gonna to clear the school debt, just vote for me. Biden talking about, yo, I'm going to cure cancer if I get in there. You know what I'm saying? Like with those types of things and that PR being presented, if you're not a student of history, it's real easy to get tricked in that regard. And I think in essence, that's the reason why a feminist or a lot of people that identify as the, on the left they don't get it. They, they've been spoon fed things by design, especially within this public school system that puts them in a position where they they don't even think about maybe I'm outsourcing my security to somebody else. And that's literally what's happening when you say these, you know, these these anti-gun, anti-freedom things. So I get it. The P, the, the, again, the leftist has PR, that better PR. They have to have better PR because they tend to not have history don't even really rock on their side. So you got to trick if most of urban centers are Democrat. You got to trick them to ignore the fact that the Ku Klux Klan is a Democratic Party situation. So you got to have a good, you know, smoke and mirrors game when you don't got facts. And that's that's the thing that hurts people on, quote unquote, on the right, because you got facts and, you you know, people that have facts and, and believe in freedom, they believe in, you know, I'm going to do my thing, you do your thing. If you're more liberty based, you know, you got your own property, your stuff, your, your physical body, you do you, I'm going to do me. Because of that, we're not as outspoken in that regard. You know what I'm saying? We don't we don't really when someone's trying to take our stuff, unless it's physically trying to take it, we tend to be on chills because we 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 on freedom and all of that. But that's bad PR and that's a bad move when someone's actively trying to take your your you know your freedoms. There's a pretty well known picture of you in which you're wearing a shirt that says all gun control is racist. Yep. You wanna elaborate on that? It is. Gun control in America is older than what we now call America. You know what I mean? When we're talking about the, the Louisiana Purchase and the French colonies down in, you know, like the slave codes, where one of those rules was, you know, if like a quote-unquote slave catcher or a law enforcement officer, if they saw somebody, a black person, that looked like they had something that could be looked upon as a weapon, they had the rules and they were within the, the confines of the law. They were well within the law to potentially kill that person. Um, you fast forward a bit, 1775 happened, 1776, fast forward a bit, you know, black folks and cool white folks fight for emancipation, which just means transfer of ownership, by the way. But anyway, 
They fight for that. Slavery's over. Boom, 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 right? Virginia. Hey, freedom is cool and all, but not for the blacks. The black people cannot have guns. That's the first gun control rule. That is the origin of gun control in America, period. All of the subsequent laws, not only are they in direct violation of the Constitution and our Bill of Rights, it's also created, steeped, and maintained and expanded upon. It adapts, but its creation was to keep melanated beings, whether you were, you know, Choctaw, Cherokee, African descendant, whatever. It was to stop you from having a firearm. Before that, before emancipation, all of America was constitutional carry. All of it. And so, again, you have those things that, that happen. And then, you know, racism is smart. Nowadays, you can't just go, we don't want those niggers to have guns, right? You can't say that now. It's like, it's not, it's, it's like a faux pas. You can't do it. So, but what we can do is restructure it. So we can't outright say we're discriminating, but we, you know, or whatever, or gentrification or, you know, but we can do this thing called redlining or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So it's the same concept. Now it's in firearms in regards to, it's in a form of fees because you can't technically say, you know, well, it's a fee and all you have to do is pay the fee. Or for example, what they did in Philly, when we sent about 10,000 people down there to get their license to carry, they literally up and moved the licensing unit to like this east side of Philly where nobody goes and they changed the hours from eight in the morning to one o'clock in the afternoon where most people are at work. So it's very slick. Um, but yes, all gun control is racist. It's not about safety. And if it was, the data would reflect that. And it doesn't. It's not about preventing mass shootings because since 1991, when mass, you know, gun-free zones were instituted by Joe Biden, you know, over 90% of the mass shootings have been in gun-free zones. It does not work. It's there to lock people up for having the means to protect themselves, similarly to the war on drugs. I want to talk about your run for city council in just a minute, but I want to know about the growth of Black Guns Matter. How long have you been doing it and what's the trajectory been? Is it onward and upward, uh, more and more publicity? Onward and upward, more and more publicity. Um, I'm getting attacked from the left now, which is kind of, I mean, it, because initially I think that they thought I was going to be like, just like on some hands up, don't shoot and, and all of that. But when they saw that I had more of a balanced approach and then, you know, Breitbart or whoever, you know, more quote unquote right leaning media started giving me highlights. And then Tommy Lahren was like, oh, yeah, just do the blaze and then let's do Fox. Urban media gets afraid because urban media is controlled. Urban media, um, talking about you, Breakfast Club, talking about you, Power 99, talking about you, BET. They have a vested interest right now of trying to ignore the work that we're doing. It's undeniable. And then what will happen is they'll get some of their people, like some, some maybe some hip-hop artists, they'll get those people to start to attack me on a different level. So, which is all great because that means the trajectory is rising. And it's, it's, I've been getting love from, you know, from both sides. So I don't want to just talk about the negatives that we get. We get love and support from both sides because I don't I don't pick a side. I just, I, my, our side is our highest alignment is to justice and righteousness. So um, it's been a trajectory. It slowed down a bit in the sense of um, trying to run two campaigns, whether that's, you know, meaning raising two hundred thousand dollars, you know, or close to it now. And eight thousand dollars will be at two thousand dollars raised and that we gave away to educate people all across the country on firearm safety, conflict resolution, political education, so forth and so on. Trying to run that at the same time as, you know, gearing up for this city council run, that's been difficult. So it slowed back a bit just because I needed more time, you know, my family and so forth and so on. But that's the only reason why I slow down. But everywhere we go, people love it. I mean, there's no 
there's no denying it. We we just didn't have somebody in urban America cut from the cloth from the demographic that could translate and speak to both sides about a basic freedom and then tie people back into historical context, uh, whether that's a little more modern historical like a Malcolm X or take them all the way back to a Thomas Paine or a Patrick Henry. They, there wasn't people that was putting them things together or those people or those ideologies together in urban America from urban America. So the trajectory has been great. Again, we completely crowdsourced. So give us $191,000 if, if they didn't want it. You know what I'm saying? Tell me about the uh, city council run. First of all, when's the election? November the 5th. Remember, remember the 5th of November. Ah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> what would be your priorities if you were to get elected? Are there things that immediately you would want to get done? Are there laws you want to repeal or things yeah. you want to change right away? So one, I want to put some energy into, um, there's a bill that was just presented a few weeks ago to make Pennsylvania a constitutional carry state. Um, it's already an open carry state, but it will make it a constitutional carry state. So I will push energy in whatever way that's one. Two, and not in any particular order of importance, just things that come in my mind. Um, decriminalization of cannabis. It's 46% of people locked up nationally for weed. Like, stop it. Cut it out. It's not a gateway drug. And even if it was, everyone has the personal freedom to do whatever they want with their body. I smoke cigars. That is cancer. Like, just to be very clear about it. So um, decriminalization. Uh, decriminalization, not legalization up until a point. You know, we have certain amounts in Philly decriminalized, but I don't want anybody going to jail for growing, rolling, smoking, selling any type of cannabis. Um, criminal justice reform, that ties in together. In essence, I want all of the things that I'm about to tell you, these next two, two or three things. My entire campaign and city council presence is about freedom, protecting your freedoms, your guns, your weed, and educating you, you know, so which is the next thing, civics in public schools. Slowly over time, they've been successful at removing civics because if young people start to identify with those great men and women over history, whether they're Latin, Native American, black, white, doesn't matter. If you don't identify with that, you don't think you could do great patriotic and freedom-based things too, even in the hood. The thing that kind of saved me was reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. That's someone that like morphed and evolved three times right in front of you know our eyes. So I think civics in the public schools is another thing. And another thing is um I want to put we we got all of this stop the violence campaigns, put down the guns. That's not the answer. The answer is conflict resolution. A lot of times I don't care if you got a gun if you know how to resolve conflict. It doesn't matter. You're not gonna seek out conflict where it shouldn't be, nor are you gonna mistake something for conflict that isn't conflict. So those are some of the things, you know, civics in the public schools, criminal justice reform in the, in the form of, you know, uh, like I said, getting some of them brothers out, you know, and, and cannabis decriminalization will definitely help with that. Conflict resolution and, and civics in the schools those, and, and making sure that we get in Pennsylvania to be at a constitutional carry state. Those are some of the things off the top of my head that, you know, that's that's high on my priority list. Were you politically active before this campaign? No, I just got beat up by the cops a lot. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, what made you decide to do it then? Um, traveling around the world, it was actually my partner's idea. She was like, bro, you, do you understand that you could be the first? I, I don't know if this phrase is true or not, but I'm not aware that there was ever a libertarian president of the United States of America. And that stuck out to me. And then she was like, yo, you know, and I'm like, I like president Obama because he was able to withstand a lot of stuff that I'd have been slapped somebody in the mouth for. And I wanted to develop that skill set. And so city council seemed like it made sense to me. But it was it was definitely my partner saying like, yo, you have the skill set of, again, de-escalating, 
of recognizing when somebody's trying to probe you or, or like provoke you and all those different things. And even in even in dealing with so many different types of people, you know, I had I had Brandon Tatum on Instagram live yesterday and uh, so many people from urban America like, yo, we hate that black dude. He's, he's an ex-cop. You know, he's, he talks all of these Fox News, quote unquote, talking points. And when I announced that I was going to have him on my Instagram live, it was people was tuning in. But I'm like, I'm not there to let that to attack that. Brother. I'm like, maybe y'all don't know that he's responsible for getting me in the White House. You know what I'm saying? Maybe y'all don't know that he's responsible for other things. Uh, we can disagree, you know, on certain policies or principles and not attack each other, you know. And so because I have that skill set, that's something I'm really good at. I think it makes me it, it good. It's good for me to slide into politics, at least on a local level and in traveling around the country. OK, I can educate as many people as I want about firearms and safety and conflict resolution and, you know, the Second Amendment. But what sense does it make if my local politicians can like make all of the work that I, I just did obsolete because they can write more gun control and you damn near can't have a gun that will, will wipe out my last four years of consistent work. You know what I mean? So I despise people that say they want to change and aren't willing to do it. So I've already changed. We've already changed America on one level. We're getting urban America involved in arm. We did that. We did that for the last four years. Now, take some of that national energy, make it local, right? Get the national people to support my local run. It's the sixth largest city in the country. You know, do a good job as city council person. Do that job for four or five years. Then let's let's go run to the mayor's seat. You know, um, that's really my overall goal. I've never been like deceptive or like hiding my plans. I've been extremely transparent about what my goals are and what my, my strategies and tactics are. My goal is, or my plan is to make sure that once I win a city council seat, do a great job serving the people of Philadelphia. And after I serve that group of people, I'm going to run for mayor. I've, I've never heard of a pro-gun mayor in a major city in a very long time, especially not a black one, you know? So that's the goal, but you can't just say you want to implement change and okay, we've done it outside of, of public service. Now it's time for me to jump in there on the local side of it and shake things up and and lend that energy there too and translate. Because a lot of the politicians that present these things, I know that they don't know what they're talking about. Not that they're just trying to be deliberately evil. Some of them are, but some of them just don't know. And just like, you know, I can I can be that bridge there, you know, from white America, black America, Spanish America, poor people, rich people, you know. I'm charismatic and I'm an artist. So because of that, I blend well with all different types of people. Why not utilize that to serve the community in the city that you live in? So that's my overall goal for taking the city council run. But it was definitely uh, prompted to me by uh, my partner. You mentioned just very briefly in passing Malcolm X. And I'm curious to know, what was it about his ideas that woke you up or inspired you? Well, one, he wasn't a sucker. Two, he was from the hood. Three. He consistently evolved. Like I'm talking about even, even, okay. So you take Malcolm X, now known, you know, before he transitioned, El-Hajj Malik El-Shabazz, right? Before that, you know, way back when he was doing crime and petty things, I see so many similarities. So my job, I used to rob drug dealers and it was like, I justified it like, well, they selling drugs. But as I learned more, it's like, so the war on drugs is wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, so why aren't you robbing a cigarette shop? Oh, somebody told you self-hate. But anyway, um, or a tobacco store, whatever. I, I shouldn't be robbing anybody. You should be selling stuff and generating resources and creating. But anyway, from somebody like him going from Detroit Red to Malcolm Little to going to jail to becoming Malcolm X and then coming out with all of this knowledge, reading back to back 
you know, cover to cover, the dictionary, utilizing those lessons. Then when he came out, he was fiery. And he had a lot to be fiery about. He hated white people at that point. He hated white people. Then after that, even after doing all of that, winning the biggest lawsuit against the New York State Police Department at the time, building the Nation of Islam, studying under the tutelage of, of Elijah Muhammad, being disowned by Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam. Then he starts to travel the world. Then he starts to evolve again and go, okay, I was at Mecca with white brothers and sisters that had the same spirit of peace. Then evolved again. Then put all of that into politics, created another organization, Afro, uh, the Organization for Afro-American Unity, explained his position thoroughly, was attempting to take the United States government to court, an international court, for their unfair and racist practices towards black people in America. Then he gets killed. You know, if that's not a lesson, the only person that I can say is two other people that I can say, not nowhere near on a level of positivity. But there's only two other people that I've known in my entire life or heard of that evolved that much or reinvented themselves. Madonna and Arnold Schwarzenegger. To me, Malcolm was on a 40-year hot streak and kept evolving. And he wasn't no punk. He still was in the hood. He still could speak to people in the hood. He, he didn't lose the, the, the pulse of the people. And he didn't sell out. Malcolm X is an all-time hero to me. Now that we're talking about I think I'm going to go get a Malcolm X tattoo. Now that I think about it. <laughs> Glad to be the inspiration. All right, look, <laughs> right. I, I want to ask you the typical sort of question somebody might might have with regard to guns in the black community. They'll say, look, in a lot of major cities, we have a big problem with black-on-black -black crime, mm -hmm. and a lot of it is gun-related. We need more guns like we need a hole in the head. Mm -hmm. So what do you say to that? So one, if they, when anybody that uses the term black-on-black -black crime, I know that they don't understand that crime is about proximity. If I'm a white dude and I live in a white neighborhood, and if I want to like sleep with my neighbor's white wife, Right. I wait for him to go and I commit a sin. I covet my neighbor's wife. Right. I fornicate. That's white on white crime. That's it. But nobody uses the phrase white on white crime. It's because the guy lives next to you. That's all. That's it. He's close. It's proximity. So I, I, then I say, well, if we're talking about white on white crime, then what about world wars? Like what European, European wars or what like are. And it gives people a scope to say, oh, I've been using this term that somebody gave to me and I didn't even evaluate it. The other thing that I'd say is, well, yeah, all of the places that have it's a, it's a multitude of issues. It's not just the lack of firearms understanding in urban centers. It's also, OK, these are the places that are democratically controlled centers that fostered welfare to the point where I was just talking about this. where It was like, yo, if we give you single mom welfare. You cannot have a man. Big daddy government's dad now. So this is a part of it too. Then, oh yeah, by the way, CIA drops off crack in the hood. Demolishing family structure, nuclear family, demolishing fathers and mothers. That's just that, that's like from the 60s to the 80s. <laughs> so, you know, when they say that, it's, well, it's a multitude of things. You know, poverty, I don't care what your race is. You know, I got white homies that's poor, that's savages. It's just what it is. But then you double that down with the fact that these places do not, by design, do not give information that is in alignment with liberation. They do not give, again, civics. You're not telling people, hey, this is your human and natural birthright to defend your life with the most effective means. And that is the construct of this actual nation. So then you don't do it. The person lives in a rough neighborhood. It's taboo. You don't talk about it like you have sex ed conversations. 
the dude got the gun. He got to hide it. Now he don't know what conflict resolution is about or what conflict is. He feels like his back is up against the wall. He starts robbing stuff, and there's an exchange there. Then it's only the 1,000. Um, that's an arbitrary number. There's the 1,000 bad guys that go through the system and get let out. So those 1,000 dudes is repeat customers in jail. But then the stats dictate, oh, it's this much crime. Never factoring in any of those other things that are holistic. So what we do and what we've proven to work, in 2015 and 2016, we did the bulk of our classes in Philadelphia because we didn't start the tour yet. We, we weren't going all over the country yet. When the stats came out in January of 2017 or 2016, Philadelphia had some of the lowest violent crime that it had since 1979. The vast majority of our work was conflict resolution, de-escalation, and firearm training. That is culture and paradigm shifts. Then you have a person that feels important, that has equity in that, their life, their community, so forth and so on. Then you give them the way to defend that with the firearm if need be. When you have that holistic approach with an individual, it changes the family, the family changes the community, the community changes the city. Then you have drastic changes in these things of violent crime, so forth and so on. That is the answer. If it wasn't the answer, then all of the places that have all of the gun control, Chicago, Detroit, Philly, New York, Los Angeles, all of these different places, right? These places also that all have that same, for the most part, democratically ran, a bunch of gun control rules, all of the homicides, <laughs> New Orleans, St. Louis, all of the gun control, all of the homicides. Then you juxtapose it. You say, okay, well, in places where there's not that level of gun control, oh, well, I'll be damned. There's notoriously lower le levels of violent crime. You got, because there's a culture shift. Even though Texas doesn't have the best freedom of, uh, gun laws for freedom, there's a general culture in Texas that, yo, you know, it's probably a chance that you might run into some buckshot if you run into somebody's house. You know, there's an armed society is a polite society. So an unarmed, uneducated, uninformed society, especially in a, a, a society in urban America, is going to follow suit. You're going to have those violent issues, you know, and we, the data is there. The data is clear. I just think there's been very few people to translate the data. And what the left has done masterfully is make sure that a John Lott or, you know, or a Tom Woods or, or you know, whoever, uh, Thomas Massey seems irrelevant to the community. When there's somebody like me coming through, I, the hood love me. I love the hood. So now it's, I, I, I get past the, the defense mechanism that the left has put in most urban Americans. But the, again, the data is there. It's very clear. You know, the unfortunate part is the longer that they play these games in regards to firearm safety and knowledge and conflict resolution and try to convince people that the answer is more legislation or more, more police force or whatever, the longer they do that, the, the, unfortunately, stats are bodies. The numbers that we're talking about are like dead people. And so it's like, we got to stop playing like it's just numbers. That's somebody family member, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That is, that is the way to think about it. Are you running as a libertarian? Yep. Against what everybody on earth told me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, so tell me about the decision to do that. The people need something different. George Washington ain't even won a two-party system. We never learned that in school. George Washington was like, hey, bro, don't do it. He dies, everybody's like, woo, party time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah. it's like, Liberty, libertarian, the hood is already, and I, and I, and I want to be clear, because I have conservative values, but I am a libertarian. But 
these are ideologies. The hood is liberty-based. Nobody in America understands the need for liberty more than urban America. We're the most policed, the most taxed, the most surveilled, period. And we got high stress because we like, it's eight and a half million dudes in New York City. You know, so we are very conservative and liberty-minded. We want to be left alone. We're going to leave you alone. If you want to slather yourself up in butter in your house, go ahead. Long, I don't want my children seeing you slather yourself up in butter. I want to slather myself up in chocolate on Thursdays in my house. So urban America is very conservative. There's a concentrated effort and, and very liberty-based. There's a concentrated effort to not just leave us alone. Please stop helping us. It's not working because it's not intended to help. It's intended to destabilize. You know what I'm saying? And so with that being the case, for me, it was like, okay, most of my friends in the hood is Democrat. I love them. Most of my national following is more right-leaning, but the hood loved me. The PR that we talked about earlier, the, again, the left has better PR. If I go into the hood going, yeah, I'm running as a Republican, suicide. I can't tell, I can't, I, the cost to educate the consumer, I don't got that type of time right now. I'll do that later. I can't tell them the first black senators were Republican. I can't, you know, I can, and I'll do that in YouTube videos or in these interviews and stuff like that. But in that moment, the people that I can't educate in the moment, those people see R in front of the name and go, oh, he is sellout, right? I liked him, but I think he is sellout because the conditioning is that strong. But if I go Democrat, I'm not principally, I'm like, nah, bro, that's not, <laughs> that's, that's not the thing. That ain't the wave because I want my people to have an option outside of that, right? But if I go libertarian, I'm in alignment with all of the principles. Then it becomes a teachable moment. So I don't get the sting of the left painting everything that's Republican. If you happen to be black and Republican, uh, you definitely a sellout. I don't get that. I don't trigger that defense mechanism. I don't run into, you know, I got Republican friends that have told me literally, I don't care if Jesus Christ comes back. If he's a Democrat, I'm not voting for Jesus, period. So the party politics are on both sides. But what the Republicans will do if I go, yo, I'm running as a libertarian, they won't feel slighted. They know that Philadelphia is 80% Democrat. They know that, you know? So for me, it's, it's me walking that thin line, exposing, yo, y'all know that there's other options, as well as highlighting and breaking down that myth like, oh, there'll never be a viable third party. All you're doing is taking away one of the votes. All of that rhetoric, because that's not mathematically true. Larry Sharp did a great breakdown on that as far as New York State goes, you know, so that whole you only split in the vote. That's not true. That is mathematically inaccurate. So by running as a libertarian, I can get a lot of the benefits of the people that bang with me on both sides. The Democrats might be mad if I'm a Republican. The Republicans are going to be mad if I'm Democrat. But the middle ground is libertarian and we need another viable option. Historically, when there's uh, it's always devolved into these petty arguments like the blue guys against the red guys. It's bread and circuses at that point. Now, if I decided to just go Democrat and just start talking leftist points, I would skyrocket in two weeks. Or if I did it on the right. But that's not what America needs. To make the hood great again, we need balance. Liberty, justice, truth, balance. And so for that reason, I'm running as libertarian. That is... <laughs> I don't know how this is going to come out, but that's a much better answer than I thought you would have because it's, it's, it is hard to make the case for running on a third party ticket, but that is about the best one 
I've ever heard. So if people want to help you out, what would be the site they would go to for that? And if they want to find out about Black Guns Matter, where would they go for that? So we only have about $8,000 to raise. I need everybody that's listening. Please, y'all. One of you rich dudes and rich women, maybe Oprah listens. I don't know. We need about $8,000 to secure for the entire goal that we had for 2019. Now, the reason why I'm saying it is because then I can get the locations, get these, get that, get this, this, this. I would love for somebody to be our largest donor of the year so I could highlight them and they could finish the whole tour out. That would be dope. The reason why I'm saying it is because it's very difficult to run two fundraising and, and campaigns at the same time. So Black Guns Matter, again, we're crowdsourced. You know, you're paying it for it for other people to come learn this stuff, removing a financial barrier to entry to them. They can come learn. They can come get information. They can come shoot all for free. Right. We want to put them on that path. So your donations there will help. And how it helps me doubly is because once I get that eight thousand dollars raised, I don't have to fundraise anymore for Black Guns Matter. Now, because campaign finance laws are, you know, a monster in and of itself, obviously I cannot mix the money. If you want to support the city council run because, you know, again, the campaign finance laws that has to be separate, you can do that nationally from anywhere. You know, you don't. You may not be able to vote for me because you don't live in Philly, but you can support. I'm gonna need a, the people that I'm up against are entrenched, and some of them are like loaded, like really rich. So the way that you can donate there, um, we would love to get some, you know, max donations, which is six thousand dollars. I don't care if it's, you want to donate. We got an option on the button if you want to donate four twenty, you can. Four dollars and twenty cent. That's dope. You can. Um, in order to do that, if that's something that you want to support in that regard, it would be dope if you could do both. That's eight, that's awesome. But the site to do that is maj4philly.com. M-A-J-F-O-R-P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. So those are the two ways, you know, that you can support. If we, if y'all all want to hurry up and donate towards this Black Guns Matter thing and we can knock that $8,000 out today as y'all are listening to this, that would help tremendously for the campaign because then I could focus totally on the city council campaign, get in there, make some noise and, and you know, continue to be a, a defender for freedom in the hood. All right. That's great. Well, I'll make sure and uh, have that information up at tomwoods.com slash 1436. Obviously I support you completely and I want people to respond to that call you issued just now. So make sure and do that. Visit the site. If you're driving around, and you can't remember the, the site. It's going to be linked to tomwoods.com slash 1436 for episode number 1436. Best of luck, Maj. We'll catch up uh, with you in the future and see how things are going. For sure. Thanks for having me, Tom. All right, everybody. Coming up tomorrow, it is the first of the debate analysis episodes of the 2019-2020 season. It's been a long time since Lou and I have talked about a debate, but of course, I'm going to be speaking to Lou Rockwell. You know him from lourockwell.com and the Mises Institute. He's one of the great benefactors of our movement and certainly of me personally. But he's also just a great, interesting guy to talk to when it comes to a lot of topics, but particularly politics, which is why the debate episodes we did about the Republican debates in 2015 and 16 were among my most downloaded of the entire year. And I have no doubt we're going to continue that streak. So you're definitely going to want to tune in for episode 1437. So if you are not yet subscribed to the show, Make sure and do that. You can subscribe over on Apple Podcasts at TomWoods.com slash Apple. We'll see you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of the Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. 
Check them out at podsworth.com.